Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Contentment is a command. It's required. It's something that God says, I absolutely want in your life. Now, remember this, because some of you are still saying, well, cool, but not in my life. No, anything God asks us to do, anything God commands us to do, he enables us to do it. So I'm sorry, your excuse is useless. I can be contented. So can you, because God commands that in our lives. Everything in the world you are told, everything you read or see on TV is designed to foster discontentment in you. That's the way of the world system. It wants you to pursue more and more things in the false hope that those things will satisfy. This also leads you further and further from God and His desires for your life. Pastor Mark is teaching that it's possible to become content no matter your circumstances. Using the Apostle Paul as an example, he's illustrating that if you're plugged into God and being obedient to Him, you can find comfort and rest whatever your situation in life might be. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. He'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 4 as he begins his message, The Secret of Life. I'm going to ask you two questions this morning, and I want you to answer them. And if the answer is yes, when you've heard both of them, I'll ask you to raise your hand. We're going to do it together. So don't raise your hand first. I want you to listen now. Here's the first question. Have you ever wanted more of something? Here's the second question. Have you ever wanted some circumstance in your life changed? Now, if those, yes, could, could I see your hand? How many hands are up? Like everybody in the world's hand is up. We've always wanted something more. We want something changed. Well, as you begin to think about this, that's kind of what life is about. Let me tell you what happened to me last Monday. I just finished being in the office in the morning. Went home for lunch and going to study all afternoon. I study at home, so I don't have like a million interruptions. I uh, got something out, made myself a little sandwich, put my iPhone down. I uh, had been listening to an iPod uh, cast as I was going, just gr- new stuff in my mind. It was great. I picked up the phone after lunch, and nothing. My phone was dead. Later on Friday, I discovered... The motherboard had been blown totally. It is beyond repair. I went, okay, this is going to be a good afternoon. Well, I have a mission trip coming up, a short one, a very short one, actually leaving Sunday, come back on Friday. 
So I went to the phone. I had all my reservation. I had all my confirmation numbers. I had all the flights situated, every seat picked in the economy class, except for one. So I called the airline and I said, I want to pick a seat. And she said, well, I see, Mr. Balmer, your reservation is here, but it's not been approved. I said, what do you mean it's not been approved? I have it right here. She said, well, you have to call the first airline. So I got on the call, first airline. And I talked to the agent and she said, Mr. Balmer, I don't know what to tell you. But nobody called you? I said, uh, no. She said, it's not approved. I said, how can it be not be approved? Here it is. I have it right in front of me. She says, I know, I know, but it's not approved. I said, could I please talk to his supervisor? <laughs> she said, yes. So I got a hold of the supervisor. Come on, Mr. Bomber. Very, thank you very much for flying a lot with us. I'm really, pr- I don't know why it's there either. And there really isn't anything I can do. I don't know how to get you back. I said, well, could you work on it? And she says, I will. I'll go to my supervisor, but let me have your phone number, and I'll call you back, and I'm going to try to get you back pretty much the same way with exactly the same fare. If I can, I'll just give you a refund. Well, I didn't want a refund. I said, okay. So I didn't have a cell, so I gave her my home phone. Well, I got off, and I said to myself, you know what, if they can't do it, I better get to one of the other airlines that I fly with. So I got online, and I logged in. And I logged in. And I logged in. And I logged in. And it came up and said, Mr. Balmer, you've been denied access to the website. So I used my home phone, got online, called the agent, and I said, look, I've used the same password for 12 years. What's changed? He said, Mr. Balmer, I don't know what to tell you. But I'll send you a new password in the email. I said, how long is the email going to take? Oh, hour and a half, two hours, something like that. I said, okay, okay. I was going to try to find another flight just in case the first airline said no. Well, I hung up. Well, just before I hung up, she says, oh, let me retract that. She said, the airline hasn't had any email Anywhere in the world for the last 12 hours. So I'm not really sure when your new code will come. Thank you. Well, it had been about 45 or 50 minutes. And I said to my wife, who had come in with her cell, I said, honey, the first airline should have called me. I don't know why they haven't called me back, because it didn't take them that long to get an approval. So I said, would you call our home phone, just perchance something's wrong with our home phone. So she's sitting next to me on the couch and dials her home phone. Nothing. My home phone died. This, this is too real to make up. So, so I called the church on her cell. We got the phone fixed. Uh, and while I'm doing that, the phone rings. It's finally fixed. It's the first airline. Mr. Balmer, we got you all set. Here's your reservations. Sorry for all that. So we don't know what happened. Everything's taken care of. You can come home. Everything is free. Everything is beautiful. Same fare that you paid the first time. I hung up the phone and I'm thinking, what in the world happened in the last 45 minutes? Then it dawned on me. Guess what I was studying that day? It was for this weekend. Here's what it is. Paul says, I've learned the secret 
of being content in every situation. Now, Monday was my day. Today is yours. This whole week is your time. I've already learned everything I need to know. So you're here, I'm sorry. I had somebody just email me who was here last night. He said, could you teach something different next week, please? I haven't responded, but my answer is going to be no. All right, now here. You see, that wasn't all. We learned something very important. See if you can say it with me. Here it is. Say it with me. Application makes all the difference. So what was happening on Monday? Here's what was happening. See, for a pastor, when we study, usually we have to live through the principles, the key points that God wants me to present to you. So I have to learn it, work through it in my life personally before I give it to you. Well, that's exactly what happens. So what basically what God was saying is, nice sermon last week, Pastor Mark, application. Love the video, love the kind of way you drew. It was fantastic. Let's see if you can apply the truth that you're supposed to teach this week. Well, not just teach it. Let's see if you, without your phone, with all the mess in the airlines, if you, if you can learn to be content. You see, application makes all the difference. So we begin in Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. Paul says this, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Let me give you a little background. The verse will make clear sense. Paul is writing a letter to the church that he established at Philippi, called the Philippians. It was a letter filled with instruction. We've been reading the four chapters. It's just jam-filled. But bottom line, it was really simply a thank you note from Paul to these people. See, we learn in chapter 2 that Epaphroditus was in that church, and he came to Rome, where Paul was in prison, with a financial gift. You see, Paul had been in need. And so we learned that Epaphroditus came with that generous gift, but for some reason, and no one really knows why, it had been a long time coming. Notice Paul says, well, you had been concerned, but you didn't have any opportunity. Paul is saying, at last, I got the gift. Now, we don't know whether the church of Philippi ran short, the economy was bad, so they had no money to send to Paul. Or some commentators believe the church couldn't, you know, you didn't have email in those days. Of course, you didn't have broken iPhones either. But they, they didn't know where Paul was, so they couldn't send the money. But for whatever reason, it finally comes to Paul. And he's writing a thank you note. That's what he's saying there in verse 10. Thank you. But notice what he says. I never doubted, even though the money didn't come, I never doubted you cared for me. I never doubted your concern for me. So Paul says, thanks for caring for me. And finally, for providing for my financial needs. That's a great reminder for all of us. You know, our local churches here are not just about us. 
we are planting and sending missionaries all around the world. Many of you financially support a missionary or two from our campuses. I want to remind you to be faithful, to continue to support them financially. Because the same problems they have around the world with the financial system is the same ones we have here. They need your help. Just continue to be that way. If you're not, while supporting anyone, pray about doing that. Just a small amount of everyone. But even if you can't give, we can all pray. There's something great about adding a missionary or two to your prayer list. And every day, just remember one of the missionaries. Pray for them. Because they're away from us. They're away from family. And they're all alone in many ways in very difficult circumstances. You know, I go a lot and I go to minister to them very often. Just to encourage them to support them. So that's what I want to challenge you with today. But now we come to verse 11. Paul says this. I'm not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Paul makes this amazing key statement. He says, before your gift arrived, I was not really in need. Well, wait a minute. Paul, are you talking out of both sides of your mouth? You were in need. You needed help financially. How in the world can you say you weren't in need? Here's what Paul was saying. I love your generous gift. Thank you for sending it. But Paul says, while I was waiting for it, I continued to learn how to be content regardless of the circumstances. So let me give you a little definition or two. Here's where you begin writing down. Here's the first thing. What does that word content mean? Here's what it means. The first part of it is a little confusing. I'll explain it. Paul says that word means self Sufficient. The easier one for us to apply today, that word also means to be satisfied. Simply to be satisfied. So content in the biblical meaning means to be independent of external circumstances. Whatever you're in today, those circumstances, I can be content Regardless of those, independent of those. Now, at first glance, it looks at this word that Paul is saying, I'm self-sufficient. Thanks for the gift. I really wasn't need. I don't need your need. I'm self-sufficient. Well, no, that's not what it means at all. What Paul means by self-sufficient or being content is this. Paul means, I have learned to live independent of my circumstances because I'm 100% dependent on God. So he's not talking about, I do my own thing, I live my own life. He says, no, I'm independent of whatever's happening in my life because I'm totally dependent on God. Another way to say it is this, Paul says, I'm totally satisfied with my circumstances because I trust God with all the details of my daily life. So here's the definition I want you to write. This is what we're going to learn together. Contentment. Satisfied with God's plan for my life. I've learned to be satisfied with God's plan for my life. Now, remember, application makes all the difference. 
So it's not just words. We're not just talking about nice words, Pastor Mark. No, it's when those things fall apart. And that was minor compared to the things you guys are going through. Let me just ask you a few questions this morning. Today, are you contented with what you have? This morning, are you contented with who you are? And today... Are you contented right now in the current circumstances in your life? See, that's what Paul's talking about. In all of those conditions, who he was, what he had, and the circumstances, Paul said, I'm dependent on God. God's plan for me is good. I'm cool with it. I'm satisfied with it. Now, To understand the word content, sometimes it's good to give the opposite meaning of it. Let me read it to you. What's the opposite of being content and satisfied? Discontented, restless, anxious, unhappy, dissatisfied, and sad. Now, why isn't everybody simply content with who they are, what they have, and in their current circumstances? Because... We have godly given appetites that God has given us. And very often we use those wrongly. God gives many great appetites. Food. But if I don't control that appetite, guess what? I'm unhealthy. Sex. Beautiful, beautiful gift that God's given us. But only to be used in marriage. So we have all of these kind of appetites that God's created in us. And the enemy knows how to come and bring discontentment in all of those. Let me give you two keys that bring discontentment to it. Write it down. Here they are. Number one, envy. And number two, greed. Those are the enemies of contentment. If I allow those things... In my life, they will destroy my joy, and they'll destroy my peace, and I never, never, never will be content or satisfied. Now, that word contentment in the Bible is a rich word. It's found in the Old Testament. It's found in the New Testament. The Bible just simply has a lot to say about it because, it's, as you're going to see later, it's kind of the key to life. And I know some of you, as you're listening to me right now, you're kind of saying, well, Pastor Mark, nice ideal. Man, I can be contented with who I am, what I have, and the circumstances. It's a great ideal. But there's absolutely no way I'm going to attain that in my life. There's no way. You're wrong. I want you to write this down. Contentment is not only a virtue. It is a virtue, but it's not only a virtue. It's a command. It's not like this wish list from God. God says, well, if you're mature enough and you've been a Christian long enough, I'd like you to be content. The rest of you just be discontented all your life. Don't worry about it. You're a Christian. That's fine. No, no, not at all. Contentment is a command. It's required. It's something that God says, I absolutely want in your life. Now, remember this. Because some of you are still saying, well, cool, but not in my life. No, anything God asks us to do, anything God commands us to do, he enables us to do it. 
So I'm sorry. Your excuse is useless. I can be contented. So can you. Because God commands that in our lives. Let me read you scriptures. 1 Timothy 6.6 Now godliness with contentment is great gain. 1 Timothy 6.8 Having food and clothing with these be content. Hebrews 13.5 Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, these appetites that God gives us are given to us because down inside, God put this little empty spot. Until he is in our life, we never find purpose and meaning. You can have all the stuff in the world, you'll never find purpose and meaning for your life. You can be very religious and you'll absolutely never find purpose and meaning. You will never be content. You can fool yourself, you'll never be content. You see... Until I have God personally living inside me, that's very different than religion. These appetites will gnaw at me from the outside in a million different ways. And I want to give you three ways the world tries to be contented. The world tries to be satisfied. Three ways. Let me show them to you. Here we go. Number one. Here's option number one. Here's the way most of the world feels that they will finally be contented, have purpose and meaning. To get, to achieve, to conquer. The world's idea is this. More is better. More is better. But you and I know, how many raised your hand when I said, anybody here ever want more? How many raised your hand? Let me see your hand. That was everybody, wasn't it? Well, why did you want that? Because you thought more would bring what? Satisfaction and purpose of me. How'd that work for you? It doesn't work. I want another piece of pie after the first one. More. And I want ice cream on this one. How'd that do at the end of it? You ever eat a Chinese meal? I love Chinese food. An hour and a half later, what? You're hungry again. You've eaten there too, eh? That's right. After there, you want to say what? More. Am I right? You're married. Let's talk about sexuality. Does more ever enter the conversation ever? Well, for the guy, it definitely enters the conversation. How did that work for you? We won't even go there. Just understand that our appetites are always more, but it, it simply never works. More money, bigger house, more TV, different car, new computer. The minute you buy that computer, walk it up. The minute you get the new phone and bug it up, you get your iPad. Ah! And they just bring the three out the next day. Am I right? More doesn't work. Well, we should know that from our own life. But God warned us. Let me give it to you. Ecclesiastes 5.10. Just write it down and you can look it up later. Here's what it says. Whoever loves money never has money enough. In today's teaching, Pastor Mark began unraveling one of the secrets of life, which is how to find contentment in life. The Apostle Paul, writing while being chained to two Roman guards, spoke about having found how to be content in every situation, even the one he was currently in. It's all about trusting God and being confident that He knows what He's doing with your life. 
you don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue teaching about the secret of life. He will go on unpacking the deceptively simple phrase, I have learned the secret of being content in and every situation. He'll learn how the Bible defines contentment. You will also learn what the enemies of contentment are, what they look like in your life, and how to fight them. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time. As Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series, Contagious Outrageous Joy. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is giving.